three disruptors. I'm thrilled to welcome our guest today, Lizandra Martinez. She is an Afro-Puerto Rican woman, founder and CEO of Bloxy, which is the first blockchain-based marketplace that enables anyone to commission custom art while aiming to empower professional artists by providing them with a platform to monetize their skills and connect with customers. Lysandra's got a lifelong passion for helping underrepresented communities. She's committed to advocating for Web3 and access for underserved entrepreneurs. She's over 10 years experience in exec coaching, in business training, including capacity building, scaling businesses, Web3 consulting, and competing in the NFT marketplace. She's now come full circle. She's gone from helping founders to being a founder herself. She founded Our Guild, which is a community-owned Web3 initiative dedicated to empowering BIPOC creatives at the forefront of technology, entrepreneurship, and intergenerational wealth creation. And she launched the first ever Chicago Web 312 Summit powered by Verizon, which I can attest was fantastic. Before going down the Web 3 rabbit hole, Lysandra was director of Women's Business Center of Chicago, and and she promoted the creation of businesses, assisting over 400 entrepreneurs, totaling over 1.5 million in capital formation, created a whopping 128 jobs and 20 businesses launched. Her personal goal is now to eliminate the starving artist label by providing professional artists with an opportunity to earn a primary income from art. So she aims to change the world by economically empowering artists through the Bloxy marketplace, which will provide a comprehensive spectrum of solutions to help them to succeed. So an amazing, amazing bio. We're so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Lysandra. Thank you so much, Jeanette. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to share my story. Awesome. So just to to kind of kick off then, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your journey. So what brought you into the Web3 space and what was your vision when you kind of entered it? Absolutely. My I went down the, the Web3 rabbit hole in, two, in 2020, right? A friend of mine was talking about crypto and how we should invest. So we started DYOR, right? Doing our, your own research. And I started learning a lot about decentralization and how a lot of communities were using NFTs to grow their communities, generate customer engagement, find funding and just really empower, right, underestimated and disenfranchised communities through blockchain technology. And that's when I became obsessed and I decided to launch our guild. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like pretty much from finding out about the space and going down that rabbit hole, it really wasn't actually that long before you would jump in feet first into into founding your own venture and kind of seeing a little bit of that firsthand in this incredible community that you've built in in Chicago through that. It's, it's been amazingly successful. What have been, would you say, some of the kind of learns and, and how did you really kind of go about taking that step? 
Absolutely. I, for me, I've always been passionate about empowering underestimated communities through entrepreneurship. It started back in 2008. I had just graduated from law school. My son was one year old. And like many people, the bubble burst and I was laid off. So I was forced. And well, that's when I got my first taste of the power of entrepreneurship. But I also was hit with the challenges and the obstacles as a BIPOC woman founder. I quickly then had to pivot and go into business banking. But I realized that I really belonged on the other side of the desk of that desk. Right. But the universe works in mysterious ways. And I then transitioned instead of becoming a founder into becoming the director of the Women's Business Center. And that's really where I came full circle. Right. I I was training women entrepreneurs entrepreneurs on how to scale and grow their childcare businesses. And so my knack for really working in unexpected spaces and empowering unexpected communities started. And when I combined that with the Web3 and what I learned about the power of Web3, that's when Bloxy came along. And mm-hmm. so the, over the year that we launched and built Bloxy, we've been working, like you said, with a lot of BIPOC creatives, BIPOC artists, and really creating opportunities to educate and to onboard our communities into the Web3 space. One of the biggest lessons that we've learned in this last year working with our creatives is the long ramp, the long on-ramping and onboarding period that it takes, right? We've realized or we've seen how NFTs became super hot and then the bear market hit and all of a sudden there wasn't so much interest in NFTs anymore. And part of our plan was to always launch our own marketplace But given those lessons, we didn't want to just launch any regular, just another NFT marketplace. Mm -hmm. We really wanted to bring forth a solution that would help onboard, right, our creatives, help with mass adoption of the blockchain, but really solve a problem in an impactful way with or without the the blockchain being there and with or without NFTs. And so that's where Bloxy came along. And it was really our way of shortening that on-ramping period and allowing artists to have the time to learn the technology, but also start generating revenues and earning sustainable income doing what they love. Mm -hmm. So what did you do differently? How how did you solve for that problem to to kind of enable people to to kind of onboard in a much more friendly experience, much friendlier experience and, and easier? Absolutely. What we did was that we we aren't we didn't launch an nft marketplace right we shifted the focus to our artist community and and really solving a problem and 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 helping facilitate anyone to commission Mm -hmm. art both for personal or commercial use in a really seamless and efficient way and empowering our artists to be able to generate revenue monetize their skills earn royalties and connect with with customers um, doing what they love. The, the fun part is, and the Web3 part is, is when you commission a work of art from one of our artists through our platform, not only do you get your digital file that you're able to, to then put on a physical piece, whether it's a frame or a canvas, but every piece 
is authenticated on the blockchain and protects the IP of our artists because it comes with an NFT. And that's also Mm -hmm. what allows for us to enable our artists to generate royalties as well. So Mm -hmm. we took the NFTs out from the front, focused on our important communities, but still are able to tap into and take full advantage of all the benefits that Web3 and the blockchain has to offer. Yeah, that sounds incredible. It sounds great. And I have no doubt that in order to to sort of get that from idea to where it currently is, has been a whole ton of work. And so I often speak to to sort of women founders in, in the space who have got amazing ideas, but ideas are nothing without without kind of the execution, right? So what advice would you give to other women founders that are listening to this conversation right now and wanting to bring their own ideas alive? Or what, what's the what's your top tips? My top tip would be traction, traction, traction. It's 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 important to do fun, to get funding and and to really do the networking. But building your network, building opportunities for accelerators and venture capital really don't take ground until you stick to building, right? Building what you're 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 trying to create and focusing on doing what you love, which is connecting with your customers and Mm -hmm. and showing them the value of the problem that you're solving and really letting your idea take off organically. Once you do that, then you're ready to start talking about your exponential growth, how to scale and getting those additional funds and the additional support you need to take it to the next level. But Mm -hmm. always start with your feet and boots on the ground, connecting with your community, talking with your customers, really understanding how to best solve for them having their support, getting them to believe in you, and then everyone else will follow. Yeah, I think that's um, amazing advice, particularly because you often hear people getting very excited about what they're building. And the, the head scratcher is sometimes, what is the problem that you're solving, right? Like this, this sounds really great and really cool, but is there actually a need for this? And, and one of the things that I think has always kind of come out very strong in your proposition in every conversation that I've had with you and, and wherever I've, I've kind of seen you is that, that clarity of vision around why the world needs this. When you think about some of the the challenges that maybe women in this space kind of face, so some of the unique challenges that women in Web3 face, what does that look like for you? And what suggestions would you have for how to overcome that? Absolutely. In I think in general, as, as founders, women are the minority. And when it comes to technology, that number even, it becomes even smaller. Throw in being a BIPOC woman and a BIPOC woman in Web3, that's like the minority of the minority of the minority. And mm-hmm. so it's it's especially building in a space where it's technology heavy and you need resources and funding to be able to bring your vision to reality. Being in my shoes has really present has it really looked like a tough mountain to climb, right? Yeah. And where a lot of founders have access to their networks and their alma mater networks and their bros, right? To to get that 
significant friends and family funding, a lot of BIPOC women founders don't have access to that resource. And so we literally have to start from scratch and mm-hmm. we have to jump through additional hoops and prove our concepts. In, in a lot more ways than anybody else. And so that has been my experience, but it's not stopped me. If anything, it's propelled me to keep building and to push harder and to really focus on what's important. And again, that goes back to the problem that you're solving, who you're solving it for, and really creating those connections that will get you over any other obstacles that come our way. Yeah, I mean... So you bring up such such great points. I've been involved in so many different communities now within Web three, and there's the when you step into a community where you actually see people that look like you, <laughs> it is amazing that the sort of sense of of belonging and also the comfort level in terms of your contribution. But then there's there's equally and actually far far more communities, conferences, events or whatever that that I've gone to and I've had many conversations with other women where there is there isn't very many people that that kind of that sort of look like you. And I think that's that's sort of the the challenge, right? Is how do you how do you go through that sort of fake it till you make it type kind of attitude where you really are able to to push through and push past the skepticism that you might have as a female founder or a you know a, a female with a, a a strong point of view in what is now a, a very male dominated space and as you said we've got a whole intersectionality component as well what do you what's your take on sort of bypassing the the sort of the skepticism that we face as as women traction <laughs> proving your concept right really getting those numbers in getting your your customer base and Outside of the business space, it's being very intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Being not just participating in other people's events and platforms, but creating your own spaces where you can really put your money where your mouth is and show others how it's really done. I mean, you remember mm-hmm. the Web 312 Summit. It was all BIPOC. It was mostly women, all of our panels. That was by design. That was by intention. And you have to really walk the walk and talk the talk, not just yeah. as a founder, but also bringing others along with you and, and supporting others who are also on that same journey. And like you said, teaming up, helping each other out and creating those spaces that really show what true diversity, true inclusion, especially in Web3 can look like. I don't want to be on a panel that talks about intersectionality. It talks about diversity and I'm the only woman of color on that panel. That just to me is, is right away off the bat, just kind of a disconnect that you see too often. And so mm-hmm. having that intention and following through and and being those builders is really where it begins, not letting the realities that we face in these different conferences and participating on these different panels stop you from creating a different reality. Yeah, that's awesome. And so 
switching gears, when you think about your journey in Web3 right now, what is, what's the most transformative moment that you have had since beginning this journey? I think given how obsessed and passionate I am about Web3 and decentralization, the most transcendent moment has become understanding how to be self about introducing the concept, right? And to really find ways to facilitate mass adoption and to be able to tap into all of the awesome things blockchain and Web3 has to offer without talking about NFTs and without talking about blockchain and without having an NFT marketplace, right? So it's been really pivoting from that, refocusing again on on our communities, our creatives, and those who can benefit the most from this technology and being very innovative and finding the solutions that allow for us to participate in those gains and that wealth creation while still working towards that mass adoption, which is just going to take a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think about kind of the, your future vision, if you were sat back here again in another one or two years, what sort of impact would you hope that Bloxy had really kind of had on the world of Web3? For me, Bloxy is about creating that middle class for artists, right? taking them from starving to thriving. And for success looks like regular commissions, right? For our creative communities, our gig economy to be able to sustain following their passion and not only benefit from their talent in the now, but to have created royalties, right? Established royalties so that their future generations and their estates can benefit from that talent, which historically has not been available for visual artists. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's both having the impact on our creator economy now or in the future, but then also having created a platform and, and, established royalties as the norm, which then propels that intergenerational wealth that many of our BIPOC communities cannot enjoy right now. Mm -hmm. And out of interest, as you sort of talk about a a big piece of this, the, the commissions themselves, do you see that coming from individuals or businesses really sort of in engaging? It's, it's for everyone, right? The the personalized gift market is growing. It's huge. People are going above and beyond to really give gifts that are unique and that stand out. And so that's a huge opportunity, right? Commissions for personal use, for mom, mm-hmm. for, for your family, yeah. for your friends to commemorate special moments and memories, but also just being able to tap into NFTs, right? And smart contracts to create those limited licensing opportunities for commercial use, which Mm -hmm. right away starts kicking in those royalties for the artists. And so there's a lot of small businesses that can benefit from adopting Web3 strategies and generating customer loyalty and engagement through Web3. And so while they're commissioning really dope art for their to, to create that that customer to attract customers through through unique pieces and just 
really reflecting their brand and their mission through the art that they're commissioning. They're also able to leverage that art to generate revenue for their business too. And so it really is 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 commissioning that art both for personal and commercial use is going to have a lot of benefits for those who who take that that leap and get creative and decide to to co-create and collaborate with their favorite artists and to create those unique custom pieces for themselves, for others and for their business. Mm-hmm. Great. So aside from what you're doing, obviously, within the space, I do think it's a really it's really interesting to see this intersection between art and and Web3. What are you what else are you kind of excited about when you look at the broader trends within the marketplace? Right now, (laughs) hopefully I'm excited about getting out of this bear market. Right. I'm really excited to see how mainstream companies like Nike, like Starbucks have been adopting Web3 and and are really just creating more awareness. Right. Of of how blockchain can be really cool and really fun and create amazing experiences and and really just create connection and communities. And so as we see these bigger players moving into the space and really normalizing NFTs and and blockchain that really starts to pave the way and open up that that road for the rest of us and specifically like smaller businesses and other creatives that haven't had the opportunity to participate or have been afraid to or just didn't understand enough about it. Seeing these bigger players participate really is going to facilitate that mass adoption. And that's what really gets me excited. It's when it's the norm to have an NFT, to expect an NFT with a work of art or to expect an NFT with a ticket, right? To go to a concert, to really commemorate that moment. And Mm -hmm. so mass adoption and mainstream adoption is what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. And I just want to pick up on something that you had mentioned at the beginning of the, the podcast and with you mentioning Starbucks and a few other brands. It's quite interesting that their ventures in the space sort of go to great pains to not use the word NFT. So so we know it, we recognize it, and we know this this is just an NFT. But a lot of brands are really sort of avoiding that that sort of terminology. And I think it really ties into a lot of the things that you talked about at, at the beginning or that you alluded to, which is a lot of sort of negative press around NFTs and and people kind of didn't understand them or they got scammed or they for for they they lost their shine. Do you think that the the sort of concept is there but NFTs maybe need a bit of a rebrand? Absolutely. In the beginning, when NF- people were getting and NF- those who knew were getting NFTs for the sake of NFTs. Mm-hmm. Over the last year, year and a half, we have seen that NFT market go down in demand and just for the sake of NFTs. But really what has stuck are those NFTs that create experiences, right? People aren't buying NFTs for the sake of an an NFT anymore. They're buying it for what it represents, the benefits Mm -hmm. that it brings and the experiences. And so 
the the physical objects, right, that that you get. So it's going beyond just the digital art aspect, but really those roadmaps behind those different campaigns and the different communities and what they're doing outside of the NFT alone to really engage their their communities, engage their followers, what experiences it's bringing, what additional benefits. I went, I, I have a World of Women NFT and the reason I got it was because I got to go to the annual gala, which I went to in Miami in Art Basel for during Art Basel in December. And so it's it's more than just digital art. Now it's about what else you have to offer, what yeah. what you stand behind, who's benefiting, right? Beyond just the creators, is are you are you donating part of those proceeds to, to important organizations with important missions and and also what physical objects you're getting with that NFT as well. Yeah, I, I personally think that the direction that the industry has gone is just a really positive thing because it has very much kind of flushed out most of the bad actors. And what we're kind of left with now is something that feels sustainable and exciting and, and something to to kind of build upon. So yeah, 100%, 100% agree with you. Well, listen, I can't, I can't believe that we have the, the ground that we have covered at, at this point. It sounds that we definitely need to be watching this space when it comes to, to, to Block C. Can you just share with our listeners how they can get involved with your project, where they can find you and, and what we should be kind of looking out for from you over, over the coming months. Absolutely. You can visit our website, w.bloxy.art. There you can see all of the incredible community that we're building, our artist community, and you can join us on our journey and commission your own unique work of art, co-collaborate and also participate in our block in the blockchain space as well. So that's that's really the easiest way to get in touch with us. And over the next few months, we're going to continue to build the incredible, diverse artist community that we've already started to build. And we'll be opening up for commissions very soon. So please visit our website, sign up for our newsletter and be on the lookout for our launch. Incredible. We will actually just drop all of that in the show notes as well so people can find you easily. But I have loved our conversation. It was so great to catch up with you. Thank you for sharing not just your your sort of vision and what you're doing, but so many kind of insights that I hope will be helpful for, for other people that are trying to, to really navigate the space. So we've really enjoyed having you on and, and to our listeners, we will see you again next week. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Sandra.